zaujímavé. Welcome to Beerfield, where sometimes I put an extra comma in the show title on YouTube and don't actually finish it because I'm busy talking to my to one of my co-hosts. Did we just lose Dan? I think he's had enough. I, th- I think he's had enough. <laughs> it was, and that's the show. And that's the show. We can't do this under these conditions. <laughs> His computer just rebooted to update, I'm betting. Uh, okay. Uh, Chris Hopper, Ryan Miner here with you. Uh, Dan Thurry, we think will be. Um, maybe he was just here and now he's not. Um, so that's an interesting scenario. Hopefully. That's a way to go out, like right at the very it, beginning. It is. He, you heard him, you hear him at the beginning that says something about loving this or whatever. I don't remember. He said it right before I hit the intro drop and then he's just gone. So. Good for him, I guess. Um, anyway, what's that? Good for the people? Maybe. Uh, maybe good for the people. Also, why did my... Hold on. We're, we got to get our sh- shit straight here. My shit is not straight here. I got problems. Mostly video problems. Oh, God. Now it's a full white screen. Sorry, YouTube. Give me just a second. I swear I'll get this corrected. Everything was working great until you hit record, right? Yeah, everything was fine until I told it to record. That's how this always goes, yeah? Seems like it. Uh, um, okay, we're just going to do this. Is uh, Hold on, don't do that. We're going to stop streaming. This is going to be the worst audio intro ever because we don't edit anything and I'm not changing it just because OBS isn't working. It'll be like that one episode where it was like 10 minutes of nonstop talking that YouTube didn't see, but everyone else heard. Oh, yeah. That was uh, two weeks ago because we just <laughs> can't get this shit right, huh? Dan just lost his internet on his desktop. That's what happened. Okay, so, so Dan's lost his internet. I've lost video. And, oh man. It's just the two of us. It's just the two of us, and it might be just the audio, because I just cut YouTube, and holy cow. I got problems, dude. We all have problems. Nothing's working. I just lost my middle monitor. There we go. Wait, hold on. We might be back. We're getting there. Getting there. I I I see a white screen. Hold on. Start streaming. Might have it. Oh, Dan's coming back. All right, Dan's coming back. <laughs> the video's back. My middle monitor is about to be back. Maybe <laughs> I don't have my middle monitor right now. Hold on. You gonna wiggle the cable? Uh, I'm gonna unplug it and plug it back in. Troubleshooting 101, folks. Not a bad way to uh, end a Wednesday night, Thursday, you know, come Thursday morning when you're driving your way to work, listening to us. What's that? Nothing like people getting to hear, you know, late tonight or on their way to work tomorrow morning, 
us trying to fix everything. Well, you trying to fix everything. I'm just sitting here watching it. This is just what I do. It's my contribution to the show. And now everything's in the wrong spots. I swear, I actually prepare for this sometimes. You were talking about how you prepared for once. You actually had, like, had a thing called a script going. It was weird. And then something happened. I did. And then Dan loses his internet and it all goes to hell. We're going to blame him for this. Yeah. If it wasn't, if he didn't lose his internet, okay. we'd be up and running. I'm just waiting on OBS to pick this YouTube stream up again. I think I got it. I have black right now. Hold on. Yep, there we go. Okay, we're good. And Dan's back. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, you'll be happy to know that as soon as your internet died, everything went to shit. Your internet died. The Zoom video froze. The You're here twice now somehow, by the way. Can I boot, boot one of you? Which one of you is really here? Uh, oh, God. You're Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Don't say anything. You're echoing really bad. Okay. Now talk. Good. We're good now. I think we okay. got it. It, it literally, as soon as you dropped the, the intro, everything crashed. The internet stopped working just on the desktop. So now I know what I'm doing. Maybe tomorrow morning. <laughs> just going to get a fucking new desktop. Well, you Even though Best Buy doesn't sell them. You sent it from your computer all the way to Hopper's. Because as soon as you went down, he went down. Yeah, really? well, I didn't go down. The video going out to, uh, so the video going out to YouTube stopped, and then I tried to fix that, and it went all white screened and sideways. Then I had to close OBS midstream and try to bring that back up, and then my graphics driver crashed, and then I lost my middle monitor because it didn't recover. Had to pull and restart that, and I got everything back to good about the time you got back here. So, if you're listening to the audio podcast, you're welcome. You just got uh, six minutes of no content and a total clusterfuck. If you're on YouTube, you have no idea what's going on, because that was just all over the place. Welcome to Beerfield. We're starting over because that is no way to start a show the way that that just went. Chris Hopper, Dan Thurry, Ryan Miner, at Beerfield Hop, at Beerfield Thurry, at Ryan Miner, underscore FFB in order. Um, hoping to get off to a better start now uh, after that whole ordeal. You fucking broke it. It was just like, you know, this episode is too fire. It's too hot. It's too lit. All the things that make me sound like a white dad, and it just fucking broke it. Everything just went everything down. broke. It just died. It was like it was over. Before it was all over all at once. We we're done. Scott Fishbowl just broke Zoom. I got really nervous. I said, "That's the show." I didn't know what to do now. <laughs> Ryan was in charge for about thirty seconds, and he was very confused. Ryan was in charge for another forty-five seconds, and I had to get up out of my chair and go behind the desk to cycle that monitor too. Yeah, Jesus, love it. Uh, all right, some housekeeping items before we get to the sh- show. Uh, Beerfield presented by the FF Faceoff, assuming they still want to be associated with us after that just happened. <laughs> um, 
Uh, FF Faceoff Mental Health Podathon two day live stream event starts this Saturday, July sixteenth, and runs through Sunday, July seventeenth, seven a.m. Eastern uh, to seven p.m. Eastern. Uh, again, that does cover both days. Partnering and raising money for the Hayden Hurst Families Foundation. Uh, make sure that you tune into that. Check them out. Supporting a great cause. Mental health is huge to all of us here. So please make sure you tune into that. And then also this Saturday, if you're within an eight-hour drive of Springfield, Illinois, which is considered a reasonable driving distance. Well, not anymore. we got to adjust for gas prices. If you're within six hours of Springfield, Illinois, which is considered a reasonable driving distance, uh, wrestling for the cure, or wrestling for a cure, Happens at the Illinois State Fairgrounds this week. Uh, my boy, wrestling for a cure heavyweight champion, Mac Daddy Duds, and current DCW heavyweight champion, Mac Daddy Duds, going to be in town. So, um, putting his undefeated streak against the, on the line against some jabroni I've never heard of. So, fucking jabroni. I'm sure he's a great guy because I know Dudley isn't. So, there's that. <laughs> he's a forever heel. He, he is a straight heel. All right, uh, we're drinking, and the, at least two of the three of us aren't bitches and got some strong beer, so we'll see what Dan brings to the table. What's fueling beer fueled? I just saw Dan look around like, shit, I only brought a session IPA. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I, I, I got some a little bit... Uh... A little bit stronger. All right, Ryan, we're going to save you for last. Dan, go ahead and go. <laughs> this is the Shoots Black Butte. This is their limited release uh, anniversary uh, barrel age or a barrel age uh, version of it. So it's Asian rum barrels. This is anniversary 32. I believe this is from last year that I've had aging sitting on top of my cooler for the last 16 or so months. Um had to bring on something strong. Today's been a day. And then, you know, on top of the show, decided to shit itself, literally, that uh, it just felt like it was needed. It was just, this is a strong beer. Indeed. This is just a strong beer episode, you know, outside of Ryan. Yeah, he's got a strong beer. You didn't he see does the percentage eat, yeah, on I mean, that. He's got a, yeah, true. All right, I've got a Maybach Lager from Old Irving Brewing Company out of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, and this thing's got layers. So first off, Bach means male goat. It's called Goat Destroyer. It's in celebration of 11-22-2016. So one of the three best days of my life. Aw. It's when the Cubs won the World Series. Um, so 112th edition, they call it, because I think that's how many years it will. Or, I don't know why it's 112th edition, actually. I thought it was only 108 years. Anyway, um... So Maybach Lager is a German lager, um, hoppier version of a Bach, basically, uh, brewed and typically drank in May, hell meaning pale. So it is paler than your normal German lager. Um, full review, about halfway through the th- show. Ryan, I'm not even sure I can allow this. <laughs> on purpose, no less. I did this on purpose. I do it for the people because that's what we're here for is the people. <laughs> He is the blue collar every man's beer drinker. Right. Oh, Ryan doesn't have to Ryan doesn't I'm have to get full fed reviews if he brings on this beer. Hey, I am drinking Natty Daddy's <laughs> right now. It comes in at eight percent. You're gonna have to hold that closer to the camera because it's blurred out by your background. <laughs> no, no, it's done on purpose. Put it right in front of your face. <laughs> oh, yeah, there, you there, there you go. go. There you go. There you go. Oh yeah, Natty Daddy. 
So yeah, is that I'm the pineapple it. one? No, this is the plain one that my wife felt really bad buying for me tonight. Wait, so. it's plain? Yeah. It's just plain-ass malt liquor. You gotta start low, man. If I start low, I can only work up from there. This, I gotta start this, at the bottom work my... I don't wanna work, start at the top work my way down. Holy shit. Okay. On purpose, no On less. purpose. I, oh, absolutely was on purpose. On purpose. Uh... All right, we got some strong beer lined up. We're going to get into uh, best shape of his life season. And then uh, we got some late round players to talk about. We're going to discuss, oh. go through position by position, talk some late round guys, who we prefer, plant some flags on this, try to help you find the players that really win your league. Because the first six yeah. rounds are a total crapshoot. All right. Starting off, uh, Gibb Davis now checking in at 227 pounds, a 17-pound gain. I told you this is the best shape of his life season. 17 pounds of muscle, if you saw what he was squatting on Gabe Davis. Uh, makes him bigger. It- he was already a contested catch guy, so. They're saying he was 220 by, like, season's end last year, so. Yeah. 7-pound so gain, I don't see as much of a difference. It, it's, I mean, it. His ADP can't get much higher, so I, it's still not out of the eighth round. It's still eight oh one. I just looked at uh, it. He still hasn't gotten higher than the eighth round yet, Dan. We gotta fix that. That is, yeah, he will. I know. He just will. watching Scott Fish. Just watching my one of our live drafts in Chicago and Scott Fish. He went at the end of the fifth round. So, <laughs> not to say that Scott Fish is like. You know, the breather of all redraft ADP and generally Gabe Davis's high ADP is it's just been in best of all, but eighth Never round still acceptable. Him adding on seven ish no, pounds shouldn't make a fucking difference. It's the eight oh one. He'll be in the seventh He'll round be, by yeah, next week. But by next week, yeah. Like this doesn't make it like his play style, yes, him getting bigger is a good thing. Like that's not a that's not a bad No, thing. not at all. It's, it won't change it's his role. Like he's not gonna anything. magically become DK Metcalf. No. Because he doesn't still doesn't have that type of explosiveness or athleticism. But yeah. Oh wow. On uh fancy pros, he's going at wide receiver thirty one. Okay, that's pretty low. So he's uh Yeah, no, not really, because it's still around uh Amaran St. Brown. Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen. Seventh area. round? Sixth round? Somewhere in there? Nice. 73. When you say wide receiver 31, though, I think that's fine. When you say, you know, rounds, okay, yeah, wide receivers bloated up. You notice that, too. But wide receiver 31, I think, is fine. Yeah. Wide right. receiver three. Yeah. 75.4. Yeah, that's eighth round. I mean, it's still, it's, it's probably where... It's not even a high wide receiver three. No, it's a mid... Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a you know back in three. Um, I mean that's where most of the truthers should want to t- should want to take him. You don't want to go any higher than it's a level where he can out top outperform yeah, his value. It's top twenty four. I mean, it's when, the wide range of outcomes. The amount of Gabe Davis talk between not just our show. We don't talk about him that much, honestly. Compared just, to everyone else, no. Go on Twitter and just look up Gabe Davis. You'll find fucking months, months on months worth of of the love, the hate, and I guess kind of in between because you can't just kind of like Gabe Davis. You either love him or you hate him, apparently. Within every seven hours, there's something to talk about Gabe Davis. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Jalen Tolbert heads to training camp as presumed to be one starter with Gallup out, likely starting the season on the pup. 
I love so, this. I love this too. Where are we comfortable taking him? What's the highest he can go? Because that's going to blow it up. You could maybe see if Edwin Gallup gets back. Dalton Schultz still hasn't signed. He's been franchise tagged. Has he not signed his franchise tag he yet? He hasn't signed the franchise tag and the deadline hey, for by Friday. Oh, yeah. Well, long term deal has to be signed by, by July 15th. Otherwise, he plays on the tag. Which I assume he will. Yeah. I did. Maybe. I'd assume he will, too. But, I mean, just some things to take into account. Dallas is going to throw over 600 times. To me, Jalen Tolbert being a player I like, you could elevate him probably into that eighth round, and I still feel pretty good about it, even if he tails off towards the back. Ryan, can you look up? Where's Russell Gage going? I think that's kind of the... uh, that's kind of the marker. Gage is already, you know, proven to be a decent target share guy. Where's Where's Russell Gage going right now? 10.03 in PPR. So I think that should be the range of Tolbert, probably a little behind. We love Tolbert. That's where you want to get him. That's where yeah. you should. I, I wouldn't reach up. It just depends on your roster looks, right? It just depends on the range. Like, he shouldn't be a starter. He should be your wide receiver five plus so, yeah. I think you feel comfortable uh, with. Round ten, looking at just kind of where some guys are going. Round ten feels right. Yeah. Maybe round because, nine. You know, just like Russell Gage, when the presumed starter comes back. Now, Gage has to compete with Godwin, who's who's a superstar. You know, Gage has to compete, uh, you know Tolbert would have to compete with Gallup. He hasn't reached that levels yet, but both are expected to lose their target volume or at least lose a bit of their target share mm-hmm. when the, the starters come back. And is the rumor true that uh, Godwin's looking to come back week one now? I, I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen it at all. Yeah. I haven't seen that I'd at all. I'd be shocked if he did. Most late term, late season ACL tear guys are not being talked about as week one starts. So, yeah, I'd be shocked. I mean, it, it could happen. Could have been a dream I had. I think in that case, and you fade him a little bit because he's probably going to start off slow or potentially re, you know, Re-injure the other leg, which is pretty common. Right, or hamstring injuries, which are hamstring. also pretty common yep. when oh, you yeah. come back from ACL yep. injuries too quick. So, uh, Bears acquired Nikhil Harry from the Patriots for a seventh-round pick in 2024. I don't hate this. Um, as a Bears fan, you gave up nothing. You get a former first-round pick who you could argue never got a fair shake. You're going to put him on the field, and you're going to see what you got because, you know, David Moore just got arrested. He's probably going to get cut. And Bayless Jones, you know, you have Darnell Mooney, who's a solid two, and can play out of the slot. Bayless Jones is a rookie that, you know, wasn't that highly touted. So, I also think Nikhil Harry, if he can be even, I don't know, a fraction of the potential that we thought he was, that, that completely changes the outlook of that Bears offense. Now, that's if he's got to perform, which is not a guarantee. To this point, he's been a giant bust, but he's going to get a shot. I mean, he'll get on the field. There's z- there's zero pressure from being a first-round pick. There's zero pressure from playing in a Tom Brady and Bill Belichick-led team. Um, it's a great, perfect spot for him. They're like, like this is like this is his, this is this is his Laquan Treadwell moment right Mm -hmm. he has the opportunity to potentially you know restart his career maybe become a devonta parker type of guy where he can give you a season but he's he's worth flyers like don't trade for him like don't trade don't 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 
like if he's if he's on the waiver, which he probably should be in Dynasty, that then you know then pick him up in these deeper redraft rosters and just throw him on your bench. He should start. Like is Brian Pringle? Is Brian Pringle? Byron Pringle? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like is he? Doesn't he have his own off the field shit going on too? He's a special teamer too. So yeah, primarily. So. I mean, that's where Pringle's done his best work as a special teamer. He's not a lock for target. So, I mean, and, and Ryan, you can, I get why you're saying you're out, but the thing with the Bears is that, and with those late round guys, especially if they're a guy you're taking at your end of your bench, that's just going to be a churn spot anyway, potentially. It's like, why not? He's, a, it's, he's the first one you drop in case someone else really yeah, takes off. Yeah, first or second guy you drop in case somebody else takes off, but you take the flyer and kind of see how the target volume shakes out you know, week one, week two, and if he's going to get, I mean, the Bears are going to be playing from behind, right? If Nikhil Harry is going to get, you know, if Mooney's getting, call it potentially double digits, nine to ten targets a game, if he's going to go out there and get six or seven targets a game, Harry is, and show any form of being a red zone threat because contesting catches is where he makes his hay, then you're okay with that in, you know, the double-digit rounds of your draft. And, you know, that's one kind of what we're going to be talking about later in the show, but two, you know, it's opportunity and that's look opportunity makes fantasy points. Plus, wasn't he looking to like switch over to the tight end position in New England before the trade? There are some conversations about him practicing a tight end. Yeah, there was, but he didn't actually switch. No. So, is it Jimmy Graham replacement? <laughs> I mean, he is a good blocker, but I, I don't know if I want to see. Uh, I got Cole Komet. Nick Nikhil here, yeah. I don't want to see Nicole Harry play. Now they like could Adam run him Shady as a role. big. They could, yeah. I mean, he needs to play outside. He's always been a contested ball guy. Not a good enough route runner, I think, to play big slot. But he gets an opportunity. It's, that's that's what matters here. There's opportunity. Yeah, it's just another Bell Bellatrix uh, failure of wide receiver drafting. It's hard to know. It's hard to know, like how, like we we don't know how well he interviewed, or I guess how poorly. And sometimes it's just hard to gauge on how these guys, when the fame hits them, and when the pressure hits them, how they're going to respond. Like I have yet to find a statistic that can, or a model that can properly tell me to avoid a player based off of worth ethic. Like if someone makes one of those, you're rich. But good luck figuring that shit out. Like, Like he plays video games four times a day. Like, you know, he like he hit the models were perfect on him. He had great film, you know, film guys loved him. You know, analytical guys loved him. It, it was just you can't you can't yeah, properly work out between lot. the years. There wasn't a lot there to hate. I'll give you that. Not no from a no, but I mean I really he was like the one on one back in the day when he was yeah. a rookie. He yeah. was up there. He's still younger than Bayless Jones too, so he's got a chance. <laughs> by five months. He's got him by five months. All right, uh, Lions beat reporter Benjamin Raven says he doesn't see the Sun God getting fewer than six targets a game. So, over under on Amonra St. Brown getting fewer than six, you know, more than six targets a game, especially with Swift and Hawk back. I think the comfortness that Jared Goff had with him, I think he'll hold like six to eight, I mean, somewhere in that range, you know, each week. Yeah. But cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, last year, my last year, Michael Pittman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I could see that. 
Yeah, I could I could see that being in the realm of possibilities. The thing with the Lions that's going to be interesting, though, right, is you're going to have mouths. You've got, you know, you've got Hot coming back. you got Swift coming back. you got Amon Ross St. Brown there. You know, eventually, Jamison Williams is going to get healthy. So, But Goff has a chemistry already with, with uh, Amon Ross. Yeah, St. Brown. yeah, with the other two he has nothing with yet. Well, I think it's going to depend. Right, chemistry's on. You know, chemistry is a bad. I'll put it this way: chemistry's a bad full season argument. Chemistry's a good early season argument. It's a bad full season argument, in my opinion. They had a good end of season chemistry. They had good in, thirteen on. It was no. They it, had a good. They had a good end of season chemistry. What I am saying is that when you bring in these new guys like DJ Chark, who's there, like. You've got Josh Reynolds, who was there last season. You got Quintez Cephas, who flashed a little bit, was out hurt. He's coming back. Lions are going to have options. But what I'm saying is when you talk about chemistry as an argument for I would rather have this guy than the next guy on the same team, what I'm saying is the chemistry argument holds weight earlier in, early in the season, but training camp's designed to build chemistry. These guys work in the offseason to build chemistry, and that chemistry is going to develop as the year goes on. What I'm saying is not based on last season. It's based on this upcoming season. Chemistry is a bad argument for the full season. You expect that he's going to go a full season, a full camp with, well, just their DJ Chark out there and not build chemistry. Oh no, he will. Yeah, and that the comfort level he has with uh, Sam Brown already, I feel is a lot better. I think so with him playing this slot. So what we'll see here: so he averaged seven targets per game last year to twenty-one point four target share last season. Obviously, this. The final six games that he had, no Hawk, no Hawk, no Swift, yeah, you know, no Quintez, who was out, you know, out targeting them. They traded for Josh Reynolds, and then he got COVID. The one game that Reynolds played or two, he out targeted Sam Brown. I believe in those games was the primary guy. My concern is is how much is it, how much is Detroit going to throw the ball in comparison? We a lot of people like to see him improve defense. You know, you know, good decisions with the offense. These guys are buying into what damn Campbell's are doing. They were mightily competitive last year in a lot of games that no one thought they should have been. And we know that this team wants to be in a neutral game situation, wants to be a little more run heavy. So you're already taking targets, potential targets away. Thankfully, Goth doesn't run and St. Brown does play from the slot. But as Hopper, you know, alluded to, you have a lot of, a lot you of know, people. people coming back. I don't think St. Brown is going to dip below 20% target share. He is the Lions guy to own. I think that's going to hurt your, you know, your Quintess guys. It may even hurt Hawk a little bit because as much as we like to talk about Hawk, he hasn't done much either. Like he's been asked to do more, but he really hasn't hit what we thought he could be like a George Kittle. And it's someone's going to emerge from this offense, but if Williams is supposed to be good, if Chark's supposed to be decent, if Hawk's good, if Swift's good, that's going to hurt the overall target share amongst everybody. But well, I do expect St. Brown to be the best. And if if they're saying he should get more than six, well, he got more than six per game last year. And he was pretty good. Six points. Yeah, 10 to 11 last year. I mean, he got, I mean, his stretch last year, he had, he had more, he had 10 or plus targets. It's the first time a rookie's ever done that during that long of a stretch. Like, he was impressive last year. And he just, like, he just won't suck. And you didn't add anybody, like, you didn't add any superstars. You had a fucking DJ Turk. Like, yeah. He's nobody. 
So he should be fine, but just don't expect like expect around the range he got last year. He had 120 targets. I think that should be a fair a fair outcome. Yeah, and you said 20% and 20% on how many balls did the Lions throw last year? Anybody got that handy? I'll pull it up. I can, I got it. I didn't know if you had it pulled up already, but I can pull it up. I had the, rece- <laughs> the receivers pulled up. I uh, uh, got through 494 passes last year. Yeah, so, I mean, even 20% of 494. He also missed some games, but, yeah. Across 17 games is 5.8 targets a game. So, you're right there, right? So, I think six is definitely in the realm of possibility, and it is probably the floor. Yeah, so the offense threw 593. Uh, Goff missed three games. Yeah, and last year's 593. So 593 is going to be up above six and a half a game. So I definitely think six targets per game is reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, because if you look at week four, week five, that's where really like he had those six plus targets. That's when Witt Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift were also healthy too. Yeah. At the same time. So it's a, yeah, it's a comfortable level. Like I say, like 68, depending on what kind, like what they plan on running. If I had a, if I take, yeah, I put him down at about 550, and that's still 6.4 game. And that's even if they shift a little bit more towards the run. So I think it's doable. If they're more competitive, right? We expect the game, you know, we expect it to be more competitive. They're probably yeah. going to throw slightly less, but you get an, you know, improved division, a little harder schedule. Maybe they'll have to throw a bit more because they're just playing against better teams. Yep. Yeah, I think they're, I think they'll be throwing more. All right, now we're going to get to the hard-hitting stuff. The Broncos are tailoring the offense around Russell Wilson. <laughs> I fucking got this goddamn guy who posted that. This is the stuff that uh, the offseason's made of right here. He's like, if this... this the, no. That's worse than, like... The, that's worse than obvious. That's like an <laughs> insult to the word obvious. <laughs> like come on uh, uh, I mean Seattle didn't tailor their offense around right so I mean I don't know I mean what a unique concept why would anybody tailor their offense around the quarterback you just spent a, a fortune to go get well unless you're on a Not Matt Nagy offense if you're on a Matt Nagy <laughs> offense you don't do that but yeah yikes otherwise you do Dak Prescott is in the best shape he's ever been in for Dak Prescott Bucks wide receiver Tyler Johnson could be on the roster bubble after the Bucks send the top two receivers in the na- top two receiving yard getters in the nation as undrafted free agents in Jared Stearns and Devin Tompkins. So again, Ooh. this is the shit that we're talking about for camp. Tyler Johnson isn't in danger from two UDFAs with Chris Godwin potentially starting the season on the pop. Rashad Perriman okay. might be, but Johnson isn't. And Dak Prescott, <laughs> yeah, anyway, this is the shit that you get in the offseason. One that I do like, actually. Give Lamar some love for a minute, because I'm normally not the Lamar naysayer on the show, but I keep it level, let's put it that way. Um, Lamar Jackson worked to tighten up his throwing motion, and he went from 205 pounds to 220 pounds. Ooh, he so, looks whoa. First off, Lamar's play style with the added weight, is absolutely beautiful because the concern is, you know, can he take hits? But also, if they ad- if they adapt to that to try to trap him in, he might have to break some tackles. He ain't gonna juke around everybody. 
And for him to put on that weight and get up to running back weight, great for his play style. And then tightening up that throwing motion, if that leads to a slight uptick in accuracy and a quicker release, that's going to lead to more success in the passing game. And that's, you know, that's what I've harped on the most. So I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see what happens. Throw a little water on it again because that's what I do. There were talks last season about him reworking his throwing motion, and it didn't really, you know, transpire. But he's going to get Bateman in a second year. He'll have Andrews. Um, he adds weight, which should help the run. And if that, th- if he sees a little bit of uptick in his pass efficiency, you're right back to Lamar QB one conversation in Dynasty. It's yeah. uh, it's a good thing to see, right? You know, you know. Unfortunately, they didn't really approach the offseason with wanting to add more receiving options. But I mean, you're not taking Lamar because you're expecting to lead the league in passing. No, so you're not. And with him adding on weight, with him, you know, being able to handle and take on a little more, you know, little more hits. I mean, these if if both of them are playing this right, they got to reduce the amount of hits he takes, anyways. The same argument we make about any of these. Younger QBs after they get their big contract, you, like teams don't want to see their massive investment potentially get hurt off of something stupid. So you don't want to see an RG three all over again. No, thank God there's no you know there's no Mike Shanahan's out there to throw him back out there after it's clearly obvious you shouldn't play. Well, I like because you have seven because you have Kevin Stefanski doing the same shit to Baker. So, yep. <clears throat> all right. Um, we said we're going to talk some late rounders, so we're going to talk some late the rounders. What we're going to do is we're going to go through position by position, a uh, little bit different for quarterbacks and everything else. Quarterbacks, um, mostly because I wrote that first, I didn't go by round. Um, everywhere else I went by round. So actually, I mean, you know what? I will go by round with quarterbacks too because I put the round in there. So what we're going to do is we're going to go round by round and just kind of pick somebody out if we like them at that value. Um, it, or if we want to investigate it a little bit more with that value. Um, and these are all designed to be more late round guys, guys that, you know, we're trying to plant flags on to help you fill out your roster that are going to give you value later in the season. Cause you're going to need them. I say, you know, I say it all the time. I know Dan agrees with it. I'm sure Ryan agrees with it. You don't just win your fantasy league with your first six round picks. It's just not how that works. You need depth. You need players that you can rotate in and out. You're going to have injuries. You need to hit on some of these guys. So without further ado, uh, quarterbacks, we're going to do the 2QB ADP, all this per FF calc. In the fifth round, uh, we'll combine rounds five and six. Uh, you have Trey Lance, Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, and Jameis Winston. Anything really interesting at that value there? I mean, you can shit on Trey Lance all you want, but we know what rushing production does for quarterbacks. They're even mediocre. And if you can get a quarterback with top five potential because of his rushing production in the fifth round, I mean, that's that's someone you can lean on. I mean, that's it's it's perfect for that type of spot. Granted, you're gonna have to eat some of the the off weeks or bad weeks, but again, you know. Deshaun Kaiser had multiple 20-point weeks, and we know how bad Deshaun Kaiser was. So, 
I think the only thing that I can shit on with Trey Lance is the fact that Justin Fields is a lot cheaper, and you can make the same argument. <laughs> that too, it, that's, yeah. that's, it, it is literally the same argument. Yeah. But then you can also then why are we taking Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts in the first round? Right, because they don't so, have Garoppolo back behind them. And that's no, I, I think Garoppolo's going to get moved. I actually do believe those rumors. Yeah, well, Seattle's been in on everybody, right? They 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 have been. Someone's going to get hurt, though. God damn it! <laughs> Let's hope not, but somebody will. Um, you know, I think that you can make a compelling argument for, for Matt Ryan here, just given that, you know, he went to a better offense, should have some left in the tank, and he's got some weapons again after, you know, a year of Atlanta trading him the mull away. I also think, though, that you could make a compelling argument for, for Trevor Lawrence when you really dive into, into what he had. There was eighth in air yards, he was fourth in money throws, um, second in pressure throws, which means he was, under pressure, shitload, danger plays, interceptable passes, trying to rush it. You know, if the protection gets a little bit better for him on a better offense that can scheme for him, which we fully expect it to, you're going to see that go up a little bit. Air yards per attempt, he was right in the middle of the pack. Um, you've got an imp- improved wide receiver core here, uh, you know, and that's weird to say when what you added was Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, but he was throwing to freaking Jamal Agnew. Um yeah, Laquan Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell, right. You bring in Evan Ingram, who's an upgrade at tight end. So while it's not high, the Jaguars should still be behind in games. He's going to throw a shitload. And if the efficiency ticks up, that's perfectly fine, uh, I think, as a, as a fifth-round quarterback. And he may even outperform a guy like Matt Ryan. That's what I think, too. Young age, the all-new talent around him, the upgrade of the offensive line, and the news of us. Uh, Travis Etienne looking like phenomenal out there right now. I think will just help boost him in that passing game. So we have a little insider information because we know a guy that plays golf with Dan Arnold and Dan Arnold told him, watch out for the Jaguars. So you remember Derek Hubbard, remember the guy that we used to read off? Yeah, His wife is good friends with Dan Arnold's wife and they play golf together. And he reached out, he goes, Dan Arnold. Loves this offense and ETN's ungodly. Like uh, awesome. So draft A, you should already be trying to get some Jaguars. We didn't mention the biggest upgrade. That's adding Doug Peterson. Right. Like you're adding oh a more God. stable coaching staff well, who worked with a similar prospect. I hinted at Carson it. Wentz. I hinted he at did, it when I said an offense that should be better run yeah. and more efficient. Yeah. And then you I mean, we may not love the additions as a whole, you know, at receivers, but as you hopper, as you mentioned, they're, they're much improved in receiving core. And Lawrence, and just in year two, like this is the leap. We can't expect year one guys to go out and be Justin Herbert, right? Or be even Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson with his rushing ability. Like it, it's what Lawrence did last year was so impressive with how bad that fucking team was. Like being top five in money throws, mm-hmm. that's there, there and the offense just got better. Like he he got better. He wasn't yeah. good, but he got a lot better. And they had to overpay for a lot of those players to come there too. Because I mean, who wants to come to Jacksonville? No one's going to come there wanting to go play there. You know, you have to like give them bags right. of money to come give there them a reason. That's why they yeah. paid Christian Kirk what they paid Christian Kirk. Let's get somebody here and look, you know, show some it. competitiveness and then see what we can attract. Um, ADPs on them, by the way, Lance is the 503, Ryan 511, Lawrence is at 602. Uh, next two rounds. Seven, eight, you've got uh, two attack of Aloha, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Carson Wentz. Zach Wilson. 
I'll get to Zach Wilson in a minute. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Cougar on I'm already himself. calling dibs on Zach Wilson for this. You can have, discussion. you can have, I'll take Justin Fields real quick. Look, Vicky's mom has got it going on. Yeah. <laughs> I take what I said about Trey Lance out of the Justin Fields. And he has, I think as a coordinator that's more, that wants to be more run focused with their quarterbacks too. So. And he's going almost three rounds later. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if you like Jalen Hurts and you like, you know, Trey Lance, you know, you may should, I give you an eighth round version uh, in, in Justin, Justin Fields. Fields? Yeah. That can yeah. be your QB three. Yeah. Tsunami code. Yep. Do you want to take, do you got somebody here, Ryan, you want to throw out? I mean, I would take two, but I mean, just mm-hmm. going to someone two seems kind of a little early for me based on what he has around him. Like they actually finally upgraded that offensive line, which was horrible last year. Did two quarterback? Yes. Yeah, a 702. Huh. I'm looking at the wrong one. He's at seven oh two. No, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is too early into quarterback given that you know, you get I mean, Wilson and Wentz are, you know, the ninth and then it gets real or in the eighth and then it gets real ugly after that. No, I get yeah, well, I get that gets Sorry, there are some guys that I like a little bit later than that, but I mean given what they added around to uh I think I'm okay with that. I thought he'd be up there in the Matt Ryan range. I mean, you don't improve that much improvement to the receiving core than not want to throw. I mean, I but guess like, we'll see what Mike McDaniels brings over from, you know, from San Fran. That's but, true. It could be a little more run focused, which could throw some water on that. If I look at like Roy Tua was playing last year, he's more of like a game manager last year. So it's like, do we get to see the true Tua? You know, basically like where you're seeing him going at 702, you're, you're kind of hoping that. He gets to like be unleashed like he was in Alabama where he was just well, two years like removed from the hip injury, right? Then you like you don't bring in Tyree Kill to want to run the football more. Like no. and with Mike McDaniels learning from the Kyle Shannon coaching tree, he's going to build upon their strengths. You know, Kyle Shannon with Elena, they were a top five seven passing offense. You know, he, you know, he goes to San Francisco, the focus gets changed to more of a run team. You know, here we are. You know, Mike McDaniels has a strong supporting cast for Tua. They're not just going to run the ball 600 times. And yeah. he's, he knows he knows how to build teams around the players he has. Like he knows he can abs- switch it up back he, and forth. He's, he, he, hopefully, he learned that from Kyle Shanahan. But there's no excuse for Tua. I, I like. I think Tua seventh round. It, it's a little low, but sixth round, I think, is probably where he should be. And I will say this too about you know unlocking Tua, right? And it does. I don't disagree. It does depend depend on what McDaniel's going to do, but. He was 31st in air yards per attempt in that offense they were running last year. They revamped it. They bring in Tyreek Hill. That leads to deep balls. And if you look at some of these other numbers, first in deep ball completion percentage, third in accuracy rating, ninth in true completion percentage, tenth in pressured completion percentage, fourth in play action, first in red zone, tenth clean pocket, while he was second protection rate. You bring in 12th under pressure, by the way. Sixth in deep ball accuracy rating. Second red zone accuracy rating. So not percentages, but the actual quarterback ratings. Everything points to get this offense some more freaking A dot. And even if the accuracy falls off a little bit, even if he's not first in deep ball completion percentage, if he's fourth or fifth, Tyreek Hill said it. He would take Tua's accuracy over Mahomes. Not necessarily arm talent, but accuracy. That's true. There are things here yeah. to unlock. There is upside to Tua Tagovailoa. 
I mean, he was one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. Like that just doesn't happen because you play for Bama. Like you got to have some talent there too. My only question is, are they going to pass enough given the offense to make it, to make it feasible? Yeah. Especially with Chase Edmonds and the rest of the running back crew there. Yep. He's got two strong. He's got two strong receivers and a you know above average tight end. And they brought in Cedric Wilson. Like, I'm not saying Cedric Wilson's the reason that he's going to be alive. No, but, but Cedric Wilson was very good last year out of yeah, the slot. I'm just saying you don't fucking trade that much. You don't trade a first rounder and make Tyree Kill the highest paid receiver to run the football more. You you don't. Like, if he does, he should get fired after the first year. Yeah. And I guess we'll see if that's the case. But I trust Mike McDaniels to have a decent idea on how to utilize the skill set in his offense just from being under Kyle Shanahan and watching Shanahan do the same thing over his coaching career. Yeah. I mean, he made Kirk Cousins fucking a household name. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk Zach Wilson. For a <laughs> and I'm, I'm going not, on mute. It's all you. Not just talking about the fact that he fucked his mom's best friend, making him the best pick here. But you add Garrett Wilson to this offense um, with the Elijah Moore train with Corey Davis from last year, who's got rapport with, brought back Braxton Berrios, signed CJ Izama and Tyler Conklin, which not superstars at tight end does solidify it. You draft Brees Hall to create a one-two punch with Michael Carter. I like Zach Wilson as a quarterback to you. This is a guy that we know can pick up some yards on the ground. They, again, better offense built up around him. They built up the offensive line a bit. Um, they built up the defense. There are things on the, with the Jets to like. We, everybody thought they killed their draft. And I think Zach Wilson's set to take the next step. He was a, a two steps forward, one step back type of guy, uh, per the way Miguel was breaking down quarterbacks anyway. Um, which was really fun to watch as well. Had, Outside of Mac Jones, the best rookie quarterback season last year, and he's been given a lot of tools to succeed. You give me Zach Wilson at the end of the eighth round, which is, yeah, where he's going right now, 809 for a quarterback too. I'm okay with that. Now, I don't want to go in in two quarterback leagues with Zach Wilson alone in that range, but I feel pretty confident about him having some very, very good games and potentially taking that, that next step. Also, by the way, very, very good on the deep ball front. And also, also, by the way, his receivers were third and drop passes. Got a lot to improve on, right? Just like we talk about with Phil, just like we talk about with Lawrence. Outside of, you know, thankfully with Lawrence, his, his team decided to add more, you know, to around him. Elijah Moore should be healthy. You still have Corey Davis, you know, you, you know, you, you, you draft Garrett Wilson, you basically, you know, tell your guy it's, you know, you know, kind of put up or shut up, you know, Jets have been bad for so long. Wilson doesn't have quite the same type of leash. Um, he had a, you know, slight improvement towards the end of last year, which, which kind of gives us a little bit of hope. Um, I think the best we can hope for is that he's game manager plus. I mean, last year's numbers were pretty bad, right? And it's not like the division he played with got worse. He's going to throw a lot. The Jets may have improved defensively, 
it's just still one of the better, you know, divisions in football while also playing one of the best conferences in football. So there's, there's a lot of room for Wilson to show some of that upside, especially if he starts to run a little bit more, which he should, you know, hopefully he can kind of reach the Daniel Jones type of levels where he can give you the, the 50, 60, you know, the 30 to 50 yard games on the ground and then also improve as a passer. Um, so I wouldn't go with him as my two. I, I have no problem with him as a three and two QB super flex. Um, cause I, there is, there, there is a bit of that downside with him. He's not safe and he doesn't, he doesn't have quite the boom upside. So there as a three, I think I feel more comfortable with him. I do want to say this. I like that they got him help at the receiver position as I look through some of these advanced metrics. Receivers are third and drop passes. They were 39th in yards after catch per target. They were 32nd in receiver target separation, um, which is all not signs of not having a good receiving core. The improvements there alone can bump him up just a bit, especially when you take into the fact that he was number, he was number one in accuracy rating against man. 13th in accuracy rating against zone, which is not bad at all. Fifth in deep ball. And he also threw the 11th most times against man coverage to get that number one accuracy rating. There are things there to like in Zach Wilson's underlying numbers. The receiving core, based on what I'm seeing here with the drop passes, lack of separation, lack of yards after catch, just didn't do him a ton of favors, and I think that the improvement there is enough to kind of bump him up to the next level with it, even if everything else stays consistent. Well, I mean, he has to also improve, right? You look at the target separation, look at yards after the catch. That's not all just on the receiver. That's also on the quarterback himself. Is Zach Wilson ball- out there running yards, helping them separate? Zach Wilson's the one. He's Zach throwing Wilson's the ball. The he's, he's, not, pl- he's, he's got to place the ball properly to create yards after he, the catch. To create yards after the catch, not target separation. What's Zach Wilson going to do to help his fucking receivers separate? Is he going to go run their route for them? Because he's first in accuracy against man and 13th against zone. So unless Zach Wilson's out there running their route for him, he ain't helping them separate. If you're not if he's separating, not putting the ball in a catchable tackled. area and those guys got to stop, they're going to lose separation there. Is he not putting the ball in a catchable area when you're top 15 in, bo- in both accuracy versus man and zone? I, I hope to God that he can be better under pressure too. And I hope to God that he can be better in clean pressure. Like, yeah, like I, what? Like, you hope that he can be better in clean pressure. Is he going to do twenty fourth against clean? Like, like he was twenty fourth. block. block is he going to block for himself too? <laughs> is he just playing? Like every, he just playing every position on the offense because he was twenty fourth in clean pocket accuracy. Yes, but I believe yeah, fourteenth in protection rate. Improve on that a little bit. But well, if your bad. receivers can separate, you don't hold the ball as fucking long, and you're not under pressure. Actually, more so the separation is probably on the play calling, too. All right, so what we came down to is that Zach Wilson's going to run his own routes. He's going to block for himself. He's going to keep the same accuracy numbers. Just, he's also got to improve, too. And we, don't, we know that. We don't put those and, and expectations on Trey Lance. Trey Lance ain't going to have to block for himself. Oh, yeah. He, he has the same expectations like, as anybody else. And now to because he's out there as a milk separation. <laughs> Because now he's out there as a milf hunter. He's going to have an even bigger target on his back. I have Zach Wilson and uh, Trey Lance. Not to, I'm not going to lie. I just don't like... I, like Fantasy-wise, I can see what where people are going, but real-life-wise, I, I can't see him lasting. What, Trey Lance? Yeah, Trey Lance. Yeah, but like, for Zach Wilson, like 
we like we've been so spoiled lately with these past few years with these quarterbacks going in the first round, coming out and being QB ones on our fantasy team. And then we, all we want to do is give up on them that second year because we don't think they can do this. They don't, they can't improve on that. And what the Jeff has been doing is trying to build around Zach Wilson, give him better receivers because last year he didn't have Elijah Moore all year. He didn't have Corey Davis all year. He barely had anyone really to throw to. Fuck, he was year, barely around himself. Yeah. He's yeah, hurt that, too. He caught mono, <laughs> probably making out with. <laughs> he did <or> not. No. <laughs> I don't think he wants to go to Sam Darnold, bro. That's not a route mono, you want sorry. to see him. It was a sprained PCL. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong Jets quarterback. Now you now want to see. I do not want to see Zach Wilson go down the Sam. By the way, twelfth in accuracy rating. By the way, just saying. I just think. Yeah, that- I mean, these, these stats. I mean, it's just like we're, we we got to give them more than just one year and not say, yeah, he's a boss or yeah, he's great. You know, let's. Let's see how this next year improves. The team's just improving in general. And I've said it myself, I, I, Dan. I, I hope they all improve. I've I hope said it every myself. Everyone improves. He doesn't improve this year. He has no excuse. It doesn't help that he's on a team that constantly underperforms, and he plays in New York. Like it, like sometimes it just doesn't fall in the right places for them to succeed. Lot, lot of pressure on Wilson. Lot, lot of pressure. And I hope the dude comes out swinging. Because I have a lot of Elijah Moore shares, a big Elijah Moore fan. Topper, you know, you're in the same belt. Ryan, you're in the same yep. boat with us. And we all like Garrett Wilson. And we all like Brees Hall. And the offense, and we all the like Zach conductor Wilson. of his offense. We all like Zach like, Wilson. We all like Zach yeah, Wilson. Yeah, we love Zach Wilson. And we all love him even more after the news. So let, let's just... By the way, uh, good hey. Stephen A. Smith moment there. We were just yelling at each other for a minute. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I don't see the... Like the, the uh, David Carr aspect coming for Zach Wilson either. Like he's I got a better David arm than Derek Carr. Fuck Derek. Like, he's got a better David arm. David oh, Carr. David Carr. Said David I'm sorry. Carr. Oh, Jesus. David Carr. Don't talk about David. Like, that, I don't know if he was actually very good, but Houston man was fucking horrible to him. I'm just glad oh we God. got through this whole grouping without talking about Carson Wentz. Who? Exactly. All right. All right. <laughs> rounds me too nervous. Rounds nine and ten. You have the rapist. Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill isn't a rapist. I'm talking about Deshaun Watson. Me don't. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, um, Marcus Mariota, Jared Goff. There's only one guy here I'm interested in. Danny Dime? No, no, not a chance. <laughs> At least Dime's got a. Go like Lawrence got a OC improvements, and he's got a rushing upside, right? Like uh, he's got proven rushing upside. So that's the and he's cheap ish. Tenth, that's, the, that's the only good thing I'm going to say about him. That's tenth round in Superflex. We just talked about how improved the Lions might be. Um, you know, Jared Goff, even if he only throws 550 times, we just talked about what they added around him. Um, I like Jared Goff in the tenth round. I think Let's go. it's solid floor. Um, I think that there's not a lot of upside to Jared Goff, but I think that it's solid floor. It's an offense that's much improved. I think he can outperform that value and be a pretty serviceable, pretty solid um, back-end quarterback. I would take Jared Goff in the 10th over Derek Carr in the 6th, if given the option. If you punt either the quarterback or your second QB, Goff's not the worst. Like He fits he fits that, that true QB2 super flex mold where you kind of want a little bit of safety. He doesn't, as Hopper, as you mentioned, doesn't have the upside, and but he should improve just just even on from last year's numbers. So he's he, he's a fine QB two if you punt. 
you know, the position that's, that's about where I land on him. Like he's on an upside three for me. So I, I wouldn't go that far, but if you, you know, he's a fine, you know, guy, if you wait on your second QB. He's also a fine guy that if you want to take a second QB with more upside that doesn't have much of a floor, like the Zach Wilson's, the Justin Fields, the Fields of the yeah. world, of the world that, <laughs> yeah. you know, at least is going to give you floor. And if you need to stabilize, you can. This is why you go QB early. Yeah. <laughs> just just avoid yourself trying to load up with, you know, two of, you know, J- Justin Fields and Zach Wilson's and the Jared Goffs. Do yourself a favor and at least go quarterback. Your first QB should be early. Yeah, so. but I got no problem with Goff in the 10th. No. Nope, I don't either. And actually yeah. down here in the 11th, there's two guys I kind of like. So uh, 11th round, this is where we end quarterbacks. It's uh, Mitch Trubisky, Davis Mills, Baker Mayfield, and Mac Jones. Anyone, to, Mayfield, man. anyone else? Mac Jones anyone is else behind surprised Jared that Goff. Mac is that low? It's like the Christian Kirk of QBs. Yeah. <laughs> Why is he going so low? God, nobody dislikes him too, which makes no sense. Yeah, he's going that low, and then the you know Mitch Trubisky in Pittsburgh, who I think will be more protected. That's flash upside. I mean, a lot of people are out on him because of what happened with the Bears, but you can't also forget that. You flash some true arm talent, some true rushing ability, and some true mobility to where, you know, he's with a good coaching staff. He's with a good offense. There are some things there that could be unlocked that, you know, again, if I'm pairing guys up, let's say that I go the other way and take Matt Ryan as my quarterback, too, who is a floor guy up at that level. Maybe I solidify it with some Mitch Trubisky upside. There's a strong chance he could. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. He could definitely play a full season if Pittsburgh is competitive all year. I'm all for Baker Mayfield. Fort. Not gonna lie, Baker, <laughs> so, Baker Mayfield fan account, man. Uh, I, can't, I can't. I can't give up on him. Just the way he plays, man. He's just a freaking go getter. And I feel like Carolina, like they've already talked about like extending him mid season, but it's like I almost feel comfortable that they're already putting him at QB one there over Sam Darnold. God, he fucking should be. Oh, he'll easily get it. It's just, I wouldn't be shocked if they just cut him anyways. They say, fuck it, we're, we're cutting Darnold, and we'll put you know, Matt Carell behind Baker. Take 18, isn't it an $18 million hit they have to take, too? Dude, we, we've seen Philadelphia Trey Carson Wentz with a $33 million you know, dead cap hit. I mean, it, it, teams don't fucking care anymore. Yeah, Dan's Carson Wentz like, got traded twice in three years. <laughs> Dan's like, just take the hit. Just take the hit. Just take the hit. Um, flipping through some of Trubisky's numbers here with the Bears. I do like the rushing four. He's got a his. This is his best receiving core he's had. Yeah, he's gonna have no pressure outside of just you know the team's not built to feature him. It's it's built to be efficient on the ground and feature Najee, but they're gonna need him some, and there's gonna be floor there, and he's going in the eleventh round. So, I don't, you know, if he doesn't hit, he doesn't hit. If he does hit, you've got a quarterback, too, with solid floor and some upside to him, in my opinion. Yeah. And, I mean, he's the 14th quarterback on this list, and I didn't start this list until the sixth round. That means he's going somewhere in the 20s? Yeah. I mean, people are... You know, are obviously a little scared off because of the picket pick and, and, and... you know, there's always that concern of Pittsburgh struggles to start off. They can easily move off of him. 
you know, and then play their first round pick. But you're not spending up to take Trubisky. Like he, he's still a guy that you just draft late as your QB four or you know or QB three, and you just write it out. If you guys are going to go QB four, because I went further down, thirteen oh five is Jimmy Garoppolo. Just, <laughs> he's not going to fucking play in San Francisco he, this year, Ryan. Right? Let's, let's get serious. He's going somewhere. He's going somewhere. He, he is going to Seattle. He gets to throw to you know the Metcalf and lock it and just hand the ball off a bunch to Rashad Penny and Kenny Walker. Oh, that's going to be so gross. No, that team's going to be so bad. That team is going to be pretty gross. No, I mean, there's bad, and then there's like Seattle Seahawks. There's bad. bad. There's badder. <laughs> there's worse. There's worser. And then Seattle there's and then there's Pete Carroll Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's so pathetic. Like how they just looked like in their whole entire draft. It's like they traded Russell Wilson. They show their hand in the draft by drafting offensive linemen and a running back in between that. It's like okay, you guys are kind of showing that you just want to run the ball. So what are you doing, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? You know, just get rid of them and go. You know, run the uh, wing T offense. I just imagine if Pete Carroll didn't win that Super Bowl. Just imagine if Pete Carroll, you know, if Pete Carroll didn't wasn't you know semi gifted the Legion of Boom, he'd be yeah, out of he here, did. and we would have a whole new coordinator, not fucking ruining DK Metcalf from Tyler Lockett. Imagine if Pete Carroll actually would have stayed at USC, actually got in trouble there, and <laughs> never been able to coach ever again. You know, before he left. Fuck Pete Carroll. So I think my whole ass camera just froze. Can you guys still hear me? At least? No, it's still yeah. yeah. We can still hear you. Yeah, but it's definitely frozen. Yeah, I just lost like my entire back panel of USB ports. This is going great. God, love it. Just <laughs> good Wednesday. All right, I'm gonna try to at least have a mouse. We'll try this. Solve this shit later. Um, and my face is just gonna be frozen. I guess. <laughs> Maybe it'll fix itself eventually. I doubt it. Um, It did last week, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Here, maybe I can do this. Maybe if I stop it and then start it again. Uh, Nope, now it's just black. (laughs) Great. Love it. Awesome. That's okay. Awesome. Let's do it that way. Wait, hold on. I'm able to do something cooler with this. Um, You're going to put Zach Wilson on, aren't you? Uh, do I have a picture of Zach Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you should. I, I feel like we did it last year. We did our backgrounds last year. I don't know year. what I have a picture of. Uh, that'll work. Let's do that for now. Oh, there you go. Little, little Drew Locke. He'll keep screwing with it. The true... But the true goat. Uh, hey, I'm gonna do a beer review now because I'm out of beer and I want another thing to drink. But I need to keep a little bit of this to review it. So we're gonna do that a little, that a little early. Okay. Beer review. All right, Dan, go ahead. All right. Again, I am drinking the Schutz's uh, uh, 32nd anniversary Black Butte. This is aged in rum barrels. This is their Imperial Porter. Uh, for those wondering, because I didn't uh, preview it, it's clocks in at 13.4%. I don't get so much of the rum barrels. Um, it's a little there. 
you know, there's some spice there to it. There, you know, there's some of the sweetness to it. Obviously, that's going to be overshadowed by, you know, by the dark fruits and the chocolate notes from the malt and just from the porter itself. Um, it's very class. It's very strong. It's pretty sweet, uh, but it's a it's a good it's a good sipper after a a long day of work. Um, so I'm I'm all here for it. I go and let you know how nasty this beer is. Sure. Or do we lose? Did we lose Hopper on that one? No, you didn't lose me. Go ahead, Ryan. I'm still okay. screwing with some tech stuff. Hold on. So I had a <laughs> Natty Daddy, and oh my god, that small beer. The first sip tastes really bad. The seventh sip tastes really bad. And the last sip I just took, no matter how, what temperature this beer is, cold, lukewarm, cold, no warm, it just gets worse as it goes. But I see why it's cheap. Why it's like a dollar something a can for a twenty-five ounce, and I'll probably be feeling is it's a headache waiting to have it. You did it for the people. I did it for the people. Next week, I'm gonna do another crappy beer. Holy Christ! I'm Dan. I might be in the market to just do the new desktop thing with you here. But I'll build, oh my god, I'll build it. But still, <laughs> it's been rough. Rough. All right, cool. Hey! So while we were doing that, I fixed my Sorry, video and I fixed <laughs> I fixed my video. I fixed my keyboard and mouse and I fixed the uh the audio. So, that's good. Got a little buzzy there for a second. And uh, I'm drinking a 7% Maybach, which has nothing to do with a Maybach, which has nothing to do with any of this. Called uh, Goat Destroyer from Old Irving. Um so Maybach's being a little hoppier. Um, the way that I brewed mine was to have a little bit more of a fruity and floral note to it. This one does the same thing. Um, the grain bill's definitely there to hold it up. It's got that bready, toasty note, that sweetness without being caramel, caramely, which is what you want out of a good, uh, like German style beer. A lot of European law, a lot of Europeans are more like malty, biscuity sweet, not so much, um, you know, caramely sweet. So, this one does a good job with keeping the sweetness in check with some of those bready notes. The hop, hop notes are definitely there. Uh, color on it's pretty good. Good clarity. Uh, drinks real, real easy for a 7% or two. So, um, overall, I think that they knocked this one out of the park. That's a, like Dexter Fowler did in the first at bat of that game. <laughs> so, hell of a job to old Irving. Uh, look forward to trying more of your beer. This is the second or third thing I've had from you on the show, and it's a very, very good. All right, let's go to running backs. So, same thing. Running backs are going to pick it up half PPR in round seven. So, this is your seventh round or later running backs. If somebody want to talk about or dive into, we will. Otherwise, we'll keep it moving. Seventh round, you have Rashad Penny, Devin Singletary, Michael Carter. Anybody there you're particularly interested in? I mean, Devin Singletary is going to get, should get the bulk of the, you know, at least bulk of the carries. You know, top you know, top flight offense gonna have his scoring opportunities, but that's about it. Agree. Yeah, Rashad Penny's a little too injury prone. I think that you know, if I'm going with the back on the Seahawks, it's probably gonna be Kenneth Walker late and show me what the rookie can do. I want nothing of it. Yeah, if I'm going like back to back like running back there, like trying to guess which one I want, I would take Singletary first and then grab Penny next. 
I want a receiver in that range. That's what the, that's what those forty backs. Receivers so in that range are pretty nice. When we get to a receiver, I don't actually pick them up in the eighth round because the receivers in the seventh are still pretty good. So yeah. and don't have a lot of debate to them. Um, yeah, if I'm going there, Singletary is definitely what I want in the seventh round out of those guys. Again, you know, Penny, I don't have a lot of interest in. That should surprise nobody that's a longtime listener to the show. Walker and Carson are going around later. Um, actually, I didn't put exact ADPs on this, but they're probably going more closer to a round and a half later in round eight. So I think that I would rather have either of those two, particularly the rookie and the explosiveness in Walker in the eighth round versus Penny in the early seventh with some of those wide receivers that are still there in the seventh. Especially because the wide receivers in the eighth, they're good. Um, but you get down to that eight round eight, nine, there's value to be had, but you've really got to like pinpoint your guys. So if you miss on one of them. Yeah. Um, round eight, because I've talked about it, you've got James Robinson, Chase Edmonds, Alex Madison, Chris Carson, Kenneth Walker. And these are in order from early round eight to late round eight. Oh, man. I think it's I think it's slightly too early to go. Like, I don't want to go premium handcuffs just yet. With Madison? No, I'm with you there. Like, it's so tough to want to take a non-starting running back in the eighth round when I know there's still good receiving uh, talent there. There's non-starters you know, going in the sixth round. I mean, that's yeah. where Pollard's going. You won't hear him on this list because he's all the way up to round six. Yeah. It's uh, it's tough for me to want to go that that high. Yeah, yeah, these are premium handcuffs that can definitely win you some weeks if the starter goes down. But you're betting on injuries with a position that's so you know 50-50 with it that you're not going to feel good dropping, like even dropping your your premium handcuff because he hasn't played in ten weeks or hasn't done shit in ten weeks. So, so I, I, I think there's a little more here than premium handcuffs with with and you know, I'll say this: Doug Peterson and Philly always used more than one back, so that gives James Robinson some value. You know, he's coming off an injury. But that gives him potentially some value beyond just being a premium tier handcuff. We haven't seen ETN play also coming off of injury. True. Um, you know, we expect ETN to be very involved in the receiving game, but what's he going to give you as a rusher? So you do have isn't, some value there in Robinson. Isn't Robinson coming off a major injury himself? Didn't he yes. tear his Achilles? Yeah, they're yeah, both coming off a major injury. Yeah, so. I mean... That's, I mean, just off that alone, that's yeah. oof. And now, it was late, late season, too. Yeah. yeah. So, Chase Edmonds, though, is the other one you make that argument with. because Oh, I Mc, forgot about Edmonds. Because McDaniel also very, very much uses more than, than one back. Mostert has not been a model for health. And I think that Chase Edmonds also probably has some built-in value in an offense that uses running back by committee a lot behind a guy, in theory behind a guy, that has not been able to stay healthy the last couple of years. So you've got some insulated value on top of a premium tier cuff. And then Kenneth Walker as well. I know that there's a lot around Rashad Penny and, you know, Dan, you're not high on this one, but you know, Chris Carson I don't think is going to play again. Uh, I, and that I definitely agree with. And yeah. Rashad Penny, you talk about not a model for health. Again, not a model for health. And the Seahawks historically, and under Pete Carroll, run the football damn near more than they any other team and definitely more than they pass. 
And with Drew Locke and Geno Smith under center, I think that it's a good, there's a good chance that even if they're behind, they run more than they pass. Now, the question there is who's catching passes, right? We think Walker looks comfortable doing it, but he didn't do it a lot in college. If Carson never plays again, Penny's not a pass catcher either. So I just think that Walker here at this position, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I would rather have the eighth round wide receivers that are available. But if I am looking running back here, it's between, it's either Edmonds or Walker. And I think I would go Walker because the upside is that much better in the crapshoot that is running backs. And to me, also, it's only Edmonds there. And yeah. at this stage, though, you're also drafting your fourth or your fifth running back potentially. Ryan, what are your thoughts? We've been taking up a lot of the talking time like we normally do, so no, it's want okay. to get uh, you in there. I would, I would honestly take Chase Edmonds. If you look at Edmonds, he was the first running back that was, you know, acquired in free agency. He signed first out of anyone. So Mike McDaniel kind of looks at him as that running back. He kind of wants to give the ball to have him as the main running back. So I feel like you're, you're getting a nice back end two type of running back here late. You know, someone who's like RB 23, 24, 25 ish range. So. With a, like we already said with Tua, you know, the improved offensive line, Tua and everything else around him, you're not, the defenses won't be focused on just stopping the running game. They have to stop everything else around that. In the past How do you game. like the Evans call? I mean, you know, you know, he's a proven catch. He's a proven pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tua's proven to use the check down. I forgot you mentioned him. He's the only one on this list in this range that I have any comfort taking. Um, cause he, he, he is still a starter. He's going to start over most sir. There's, no way that I, I see most are starting ahead of them. Um, I've dove in a lot about the Seattle offense and Kenneth Walker, so I'm not going to rehash my thoughts there, but it's, um, it's still, you know, still all in all, it's still a rich range to go for premium handcuffs, but they get a starter in Edmonds, who, yes, yeah, has a chance to be supplanted. There's nobody really good in that backfield, even behind him, but are we really super happy about Sonny Michelle? Miles Gaskin's buried, and Mostert can't stay healthy, and he's been overused, and he's undersized too. So it's give me Edmonds in that range, and probably only back I I have any real confidence in beyond you know the injuries that may happen. Well, if you didn't like that, this ninth round's going to be a lot. <laughs> At least it's the ninth round. I don't think there's round. anybody I want to talk about in the ninth round. That's Ramondre Stevenson, Darrell Henderson, Ronald Jones, and Raheem Mostert. Oh, God, no, please, Ryan. Do you have anyone you want to talk about here? No. All right, good. Moving on. Okay, great. Damn it, Ryan, don't ruin it. It's like the Natty Daddy right now, you know? Oh, okay. Talk okay. About. <laughs> Fair enough. Moving to the 10, uh, 10 plus rounds. So this is anybody after round 10. Marlon Mack, James Cook. See you guys nodding. Let's talk Mack for a second. Or is that he should be the starter day one? Yeah, that's what I like too. You know, starter day one, and th- yeah, it's a bad offense, but is it truly a bad, a bad offense with Marlon Mack? Oh, it's as bad as Seattle, and I can get Marlon Mack three rounds after Kenneth Walker to Rashad exactly. Benny. So thank you, I'll take that instead. And it's a and it's a Lovey Smith offense, and <laughs> Lovey Smith offenses. I mean, you know, <laughs> one they use more than one back, but two they run. Yeah, they do. They run footballs, so. <laughs> That's usually what running backs do. They run the football. That's true. Well, know. some of them catch I too. I hope so. Some don't, of them. Don't tell James White that. 
Ooh. Or even James Cook at this point. Or even James Cook at this <laughs> point. The Naeem next Hines, list. even. Or Naeem Hines, who's also <laughs> on this Hines. list. Or Katie Gainwell, who's also on this list. Um, Gus Edwards. Anyway, James Cook, Naeem Hines, Gus Edwards, Kenny Gainwell, J.D. McKissick. So a lot of pass catchers there. Uh, Tyler Algier. I want to pause here for a second. Atlanta's backfield's wide open. This And Algier is a guy that I thought was... Didn't get enough love during draft season. Part of that's my fault. I should have hyped him up more. A lot of my hype went towards uh, the Keontae Ingrams and Rashad Wyatt's and Tyler Beatty's of the world. I had Algier higher than a couple of those guys. And he's going to get a shot. You know, you drafted a rookie running back. You're not going to give all those carries to, to Damian Williams. He's somebody I'm watching very closely through camp. Because I think he does have the shot to take carries and end up getting the bulk of the carries in Atlanta, and you're getting him in the tenth plus round right now. So he, he's the true definition of a, like between him and Williams. Like you, like you don't want to draft both. Man, the offense is bad, but you doesn't hurt to draft either of them because they're both. Someone's the- going to get production, and if one of them gets hurt, yeah, there's That's value. True. There's value into at least the touches they'll get. That's a true zero RB approach too, which I don't follow because I don't like it. I don't think it works, but no, I don't either. But there. I'm happy taking Tyler Algier as my sixth running back or seventh running back. And I mean, when you're getting to, we're going to hear us say this a lot through redraft season, which we're kind of getting into now. And that is, can they outperform their ADP? That's why we like Marlon Mack here. That's why we like Tyler Algier here. That's why David Williams and who's going, I think in the 12th is decent here. Gus Edwards for the Ravens. Don't want to gloss over that. I mean, there's definitely value here that can outperform a 10th round ADP. I like Gus Edwards a lot, too. He's another name I, I like to go up on over like J.K. Dobbins just because the Baltimore So much more value to, there. Yeah, yeah. They want to be more of a run-focused offense, and it's like they're going to give J.K. Dobbins all the carries. You know, Edwards is going to get in there. Look how much later you're getting them compared to the peak, I feel like, that you're drafting J.K. Dobbins at. Yeah. Just keep your eye on the health of that of that Ravens backfield. I mean, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna definitely run more than they did last year, and I think you're gonna see the running backs get a little more involved in the passing game too. We saw glimpses of that of that last year with Lamar. Even yeah. we saw some of these running backs get a little more involved. It's, he's gonna be, there's a chance he can start checking down a little bit more to reduce the amount of hits that he takes. Yep. Um, Mark Ingram, we've talked about him a little bit is it, especially with Kamara suspension coming down. There's nothing else in, in New Orleans at the moment. Sonny Michelle, another member of that Miami backfield, um, who looked good with the Rams and limited duty, but, you know, could easily be the running back three as well. So not as much of a lock. Brian Robinson's another one here that's kind of interesting, but he's not going to get pass catching work. You know, they've talked about wanting to create the, the Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams two-headed attack here. But then you go but I can look at Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams number, consistency numbers, and neither guy was really that consistent. They got into each other's workload a lot. They're always hurt. Well, it's like they, like, well, it, well when one like of they them kept flip-flopping. Yeah, when one of them was hurt, <laughs> the other one took off. So. And uh, that's not an offense that I really want to, you know, yeah. attack. The in between the tackles grinder. So an offense that I do want to attack and a table that you've heard me pound is Jarek McKinnon right now going in the eleventh. Um, he had a great playoff run. Finally back from the knee injury, 
Great playoff run. Looked fantastic in that Chiefs offense, and that is a wide-open backfield. Where is Clyde going? I'm just wondering. Fifth? Okay, don't don't talk about my CH like that. I can't let him go. I mean, I took him in Scott Fish, but I also took, you know, McKinnon, like, just like the Niners. Like, you want to, you know, take running backs and good offenses, especially ones that get involved in the Especially in the double-digit rounds. Yeah, like, if they don't hit, you cut them, and that's all these guys that we're talking about right now all, you know, fit under that billing. It's the reason why they're going in double-digit rounds, but mm-hmm. you can definitely, like, this is where you start to find, you know, the true meat and potatoes of your roster is the ones that are going to help you push over your opponents during, you know, the season. You don't win your league in the draft at any point. You win your leagues playing waivers and, you know, being, you know, in those good positions, but you can definitely find, you know, some of these studs back here. So this is, just as important yeah. as even your first few picks. Like, you know, getting these picks right and getting ahead of the field is huge. Yep. And then uh, Damian Pierce, Damian Williams. Pierce, kind of the same thing. If Mac, for whatever reason, is rusty, Pierce is the next guy in line. Okay, fine. I can see that. And then Damian Williams, we talked about it with Algier as well. I mean, Look, if Algier is not the rookie people think it is, then it's going to be Damian Williams. So, you know, if you get one of these guys in an unsettled backfield, fine. You're just going to turn them if they don't hit. And if they do, then go for it. You know, I, I prefer Mac and Algier to, especially, you know, watching Williams of the Bears last year, um, who couldn't beat out Khalil Herbert for touches when David Montgomery went down. Um, but Damian Pierce is a guy a lot of us like through draft season. And if Marlon Mack struggles at all, Damian Pierce is going to get some work. And Damian Pierce might get some work anyway. I mentioned Lovey Smith likes to use two backs. You got to go back to kind of the um, Thomas Jones, Cedric Benson days. Oh, Jesus. That's how long Lovey Smith's been around. That's a long but fucking day. <laughs> he will use two backs. And there's not a lot of passing upside here. So, But Mack's going to get the receiving work, and I think that gives him the edge. Where's Rashad White? Rashad White is he's somewhere in that double digit round range as well, I think. Book it. Draft him and sit on him. Because Fournette's never played a full season and Rashad White's got the skill set that can be unlocked with the Keyshawn the, the Keyshawn the, Vaughn disrespect is not something I will stand for. <laughs> Bruh. Bruh. It's Rashad White. Keyshawn no, no. Vaughn. Yeah, for Shad White. Leonard Fournette's back on the treadmill. He's going to be back in football shape in no time. Oh, I'm not. No, he's never played a full season. Ever. So you're drafting Vaughn, your premium tier handcuff. In the double digit rounds where they Which should be going. Fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can't hate that. So, again, and then his upside is higher than the majority of the backs we just talked about. Given the offense and given the type of low workload that he'll be. You know, falling into if Fernet is the best time. Sure. Let's talk wide receivers for a second. Maybe a little more than a second. Uh, same thing. We're going to pick those up in round eight. Round seven's got guys like Brandon Cooks, Cortland Sutton, you know, guys that you shouldn't be questioning. So starting in the eighth round, um, you have Corey Davis, Cordero Patterson. Don't love that. But then you're going to hit two names. St. Brown, I don't think we need to talk about more than we already have on the show, but this is where Amon Ross St. Brown's going. 
Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is going here. Brandon Ayuk. Give me those last three over the other two. Yeah. I, I Give me Juju and St. Brown. One of those two, and I don't care about the rest. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. Give me Juju or St. Brown. I probably prefer Juju. He's going a little later, and I think his upside is probably a little higher with the wide receiver one spot on the Chiefs being open. Sky Moore missed all of OTAs with a hamstring injury. So uh, that came out today. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so give me Juju here in a freaking Patrick Mahomes offense over anybody else, especially if that so, so many Jujus. Yep. So many Jujus. So many Jujus. Ninth round, uh, Lockett, Bateman, Claypool. Bateman. Go ahead, Bateman, man. It, 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 it's always going to be, you know, Bateman for me there. Just the offense itself. I, like, yes, the Ravens are going to throw less than last year, potentially, but there's so there's there's just two receivers you want in that back, you know, that you want in Bateman and Andrews, and they're going to command their targets. May not be the highest volume, but you're going to get the consolidation of targets, and they're going to probably, you know, sit there in that, you know, in that 22% plus range. So, what I'm gathering for the ninth round bags and wide receivers is that's probably where I'm drafting my tight end. That's. <laughs> <laughs> That's your Goddards and, and that's uh, Gasecki, Fryermuth. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably where I'm drafting my tight end. Is is where that's happening. Yeah. Even if I have to reach on a guy that's going a little later or somebody that falls, like I'm probably not taking anybody in the ninth round because Bateman. Ninety <laughs> percent of my leagues are with you, so I'm not getting Bateman in the ninth. Yeah, a lot of people like him. Like I, I tend to not. I mean, I. I I still won't reach out on him because it's still the Ravens offense and we still don't quite know what his ceiling is, but it's at that range where I feel a lot comfortable, especially now that it's the ninth round and not, you know, the seventh yeah. and eighth, but as soon as OTA or as soon as training camp starts, oh, I think he's going to fly up the boards anyways. Cause you're going to see a lot of highlights. Yep. 10th round, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, Kadarius, Tony, Christian Kirk, Russell Gage. Oh man. Last three. Easy. Last three. Easy. Uh, Landry could come into that conversation if you get continue yeah. to get bad news on Michael Thomas. Um, but you know, Kadarius Tony was the only guy that put up any efficiency at all with the Giants. They're going to have a new look offense. Um, and Kadarius Tony has big playability, big upside. Christian Kirk going to Jacksonville is going to be playing from behind. He's going to get volume engaged. We've talked about him a lot is a uh, first six weeks and then you flip him. Yeah. You know, they ran that on that one. The, the Kurt disrespect, man. It's still there. It's Jesus. There. Come on. He's a wide, he's still a wide receiver one. If you're getting a wide receiver one on any team in double digit rounds, you're yep. doing it right. Speaking of 11th round, Alan Lazard, Tyler Boyd, Valdez Scantling, Sky Moore, Devonta Parker. Two wide receiver ones there, potentially. You want Devontae Parker? And, and <laughs> no, Alan no. Lazard and Devontae Parker. Uh, Jacoby Myers, you know, is the true wide receiver one. He probably I mean, is. Um, fuck out here with Devonta Parker. <laughs> there's shit to like in the. There's shit to like here, though. There really is. There like, is, man. Lazard. I mean, if you love Gabe Davis, here's a cheaper version. And he's a wide receiver one on his team. Yes. Boom, and he has Aaron Rodgers. And he has Aaron Rodgers. Tyler Boyd has some really solid floor. Sky Moore, especially back half the season, is a guy a lot of people like to take over as the number one on the Chiefs. 
Um, Valdez Scantling caught some camp hype. Uh, Demonte Parker very easily could be the Patriots' best weapon. I like Jacoby Myers a lot. I think he's going to be the most consistent player, but I think Parker's got the most upside. I yeah, mean, I agree with Parker, you but... can just ignore Parker and just the fact that you can get Lazard, you can get Sky Moore, you can get like even MVS. Like he's got the big playability with Mahomes in that Chiefs offense. Um, yeah, it's Lazard all day here for me. It, it's yeah. there's there's just so much there's so much there's even so up just so good upside in this range. He's got he have like twelve red zone targets too in the end zone. Yeah, like twelve end zone shots. So I mean, like, and that was with Devontae Adams on the field. Yeah, now no Devontae Adams is going to get between the twenties targets. Big body, all about it. All right, twelfth plus round, still value here. Kenny Galladay, eh? Traylon Burks, some rookies: Chris Olave, Drake London, um, Christian Watson. Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, um, some veterans, Tim Patrick, Jamison Crowder, Marvin Jones. I like Tim Patrick here a lot, actually. All the dude has done is produced when he's been given an opportunity. He got paid, <laughs> and you're bringing in Russell Wilson for a much better passing offense, and all Tim Patrick has done is produced. Yeah, he yeah, was like, like back, back in wide receiver two, high in wide receiver three. When yeah. He was, uh, as a two. Yep. Christian Watson, huge upside. And Drake London's going to be the old, I mean, outside of Kyle Pitts, is going to be the only other guy in Atlanta catching passes. Like second, you know, like second half of the season, Burks, when he gets more acclimated in that Tennessee offense. and Yeah. Woods old and nobody else to catch passes there. You know, like, you know, we mentioned London. London could be consistent all year round. You know, we know that Atlanta's going to play from behind in a lot of games. Yeah. He may not score a lot of touchdowns. He may not hyper, he may, he may not be hyper efficient, but should get peppered with targets. So, way to go depth on your wide receivers. Those middle rounds is where you want your running back depth. Because what we just learned about wide receivers is all the way through around 12 plus, there's, there's upside there. And we've seen rookie receivers, especially. In the new age NFL over the past, you know, four or five years, we've seen rookie receivers, multiple rookie receivers oh, yeah. pop. One of Alave and Wilson. Alave is the one I really like, especially of Thomas. Like Alave mm-hmm. and Wilson. 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 You're Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Could, yeah, Alave and Winston. I like that a lot. Wilson could very easily be the one on the Jets, too. I mean, Where's I like, Elijah Moore going? Elijah Moore. I don't know. Sixth round, maybe. Is he six? He was up there. I feel, Here, that let feels me pull so it up. low. I, I thought he'd be like, I thought he'd be closer to no, ninth no, or tenth he's, round. He's starting to come up a little bit. Oh, that's a minute. Do, 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 do. Yeah, hold music. Hold music while we pull up. <laughs> Uh, Asking the tough questions. You are. Where's he? Yeah. Survey says. (laughs) Like, why would I have 80 people that we're talking ADP? Where are you at? I'm at 1002, but that's in, what is it, two quarterbacks still? I think I still have up. I'm not two quarterback. I'm doing all this in straight PPR. Uh, Ace, maybe? 709. He was just ahead of the cutoff. Okay. 
And that's why I said I didn't put seventh round in here because the seventh round is Devontae Smith, Cortland Sutton, Elijah Moore, Darnell Mooney. Yeah. I mean, who do you want? Yeah. All of them. I, I, I want all of them. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not so much as Smith, but even then, like, Smith okay, produced... all, of, all of the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Smith is someone I still like. I still like the Eagles offense. So, yeah. All right. It's good to know. Good to know. Um, and then tight ends. We'll go quick. I'm going to split these into three round chunks. Uh, 9th, 10th, 11th round. You have Gasecki, Fryermuth, Ertz, and Fant. Fryermuth's the floor guy here. And I think that Fant is pro. Well, Fant's in. Fant went to fucking Seattle. Yeah, he did. Yeah, no, thank you. Fryermuth, and then Ertz, who had a little bit of a resurgence with Kyler last year. I like Ertz. I still, yeah. I especially like Ertz for this year. You know, no Hopkins potentially for the first six weeks. At least as it stands right now for the first six weeks. Yep. And we saw, we saw the flashes with him last year and that trust. So I like Ertz in that range, especially for the first, you know, four or five, six games of the season that you can go you know, back in the rotating mode. For I mean, the way the Steelers used him, I think has some very good floor to him as well. Yeah, at this page, I think he'll be you're just a looking, fine back end streamer. Like, you're just looking for a tight end that won't kill you. Yep. Um. All right, going beyond that, twelfth round or later, Robert Tunyon, who might start on the pop, Kolkomet, Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper, who's now in Tennessee, Logan Thomas, who might start on the pop, Albert O, uh, and Dindra, and then Tyler Higby, David, and Joku. I think David Njoku is the way to go on that one when it's like so late. Because like who's really the number two target outside of Amari Cooper there? And you don't know who the quarterback is right now. You know, is it Brissett right now? Is it gonna be Deshaun Watson four to six games later? So you don't know like what this what, how that's all gonna plan out. I like Kemet in this range a lot. I do too. I think he's gonna be a safety outlet. I think that, you know, the floor on Kemet is probably about the same as Firemouth this season. And your upside might be about where Dalton Schultz is. So, I feel like I'm at the bus. I feel like the height's too much on him, and I think it's, it's at least be he's the twelve month. plus. He's in the fucking fourteenth round. <laughs> <laughs> I like him more than most of the guys, and I do like Njoku. And I hate to say it, but if if Watson plays, Njoku's going to be. I, I hate to tell you this, not, but if you take him in the thirteenth round, you can't consider him a bust. Yeah, because yeah, you either go elite or late, so. He's part of the weight group. All these guys are fine. I mean, they're not fine, but all these guys, I mean, you can't, if you're taking tight ends here, you're, you're playing the streaming game. You're playing, you're playing. Tight end we talked about are, are, are streamers. You're playing to you're, some extent. Or you're playing for upside, and that's going to be Komet, Njoku, Alberto. Alberto's yeah. on a good offense. And he's an athlete. Tanyan if he gets back at some point. Tanyan if he gets of, back yeah. at some point, but maybe not. Ertz and Fryermuth are your most solid options here. If you're going to play upside and go for two, Komet, Albert O, Nujoku. Um, I don't hate Hooper either. There's been some like successful tight ends in, in Tennessee, and he's out of Cleveland, which we know is just a cesspool. And, he, and he's been productive before. He's productive with Atlanta back, no way back then. Yep. So there's been production with him. Indeed. All right, I almost just asked you guys anything else for the good of the team because I thought I was on a work conference call and we're ending this <laughs> up. 
<laughs> and then I didn't. Also, yes, I'm one of those guys that ends work conference calls that way. Love it. Um, that's our show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, one of the rare times I'll tell you what we're doing next week. We're going to do some camp previews next week is before camps open up. So we'll go ahead and get into some training camp battles, some guys that we're watching close that might be coming off of late season injuries or, um, you know, involved in, well, competitions, things like that. So we'll go ahead and get, uh, some camp previews done next week as well as the latest in NFL news like we do every week. Um, I am at Beerfield Hop with two P's. Joined by Beaterfield Thurry, uh, at Ryan Miner underscore FFB. Uh, once again, one last reminder, uh, we are presented by the FFFaceOff.com or the FFFaceOff. I don't know how. Dot com. You're right. Yeah. yeah no, I right. know, I know the website's dot com. I just don't think the <laughs> website presents us. I think the contingency of FFFaceOff presents us. Faceoff uh, Sports Network. Faceoff Sports Network. That's what it is. Great. I'm a fantastic. I'm great at this. Face Off Sports Network, uh, Mental Health Potathon going on this weekend, uh, 16th and 17th. So if you get a chance, tune into that. Uh, benefit the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation. If you don't know Hayden Hurst's story, um, it is a good one. As much as we kind of yeah, went against him as a prospect, like the Hayden Hurst story and Hayden Hurst person is pretty damn inspirational. So uh, make sure you check that out, and we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. See ya. Bye.